guest speaker is no stranger here to at the Life Christian Church. He and his wife have been here to speak many times over the years, going back, I'm sure, much more than 20 years now. And um, uh, Michael Durso and Maria Durso have become uh, uh, friends of this church community, and they've become very close personal friends of me and Sharon and our entire family. Uh, I can't tell you how much I admire and respect Pastor Durso. He is an elder to me. He's someone that I look to for leadership and for counsel and have for years. He's a part of our oversight uh, here at TLCC, which we call our presbytery, pastors outside of our congregation who provide uh, uh, kind of a safety net, if you please, for me and our board and our elders internally who really conduct the business affairs and the spiritual affairs of the church. But we have a, uh, if something happened to me, Pastor Michael, for instance, would come in and he would help our elders try to figure out what's next. So that's an example of what I mean by a safety net. Uh, he served in that role for many years. Um, pastor Durso was the pastor of the uh, legendary Christ Tabernacle Church in Queens, New York. Uh, when he and Maria uh, began to lead that congregation in 1985, it was a small group of people. It's grown now to many, many thousands of people uh, and has international impact. Uh, Maria, Pastor Maria Durso, travels all over the world and speaks. Uh, uh, I know many of you uh, ladies have read her books and hopefully some of you guys as well. Um, she's a prolific author and speaker. And uh, Pastor Durso, this last year, transitioned Christ Tabernacle, now called Saints Church, to his son Chris, who's doing a great job, and now Pastor Durso is the overseer of uh, Saints Church. So it's a great privilege for us to have Pastor Durso here. You're going to love hearing what he has to say. Please give a great big TLCC welcome to Pastor Durso. Thank you, Pastor Jerry. Boom. Hey, Life Christian Church. God bless you. You guys are brave. You came through that snow. Nothing was stopping you, right? Yeah, yeah. Come on. I love your pastor, Pastor Terry, Pastor Sharon. I love the Smith family. I love this church. I'm so proud of you uh, and what you've been able to accomplish. How many remember when you were in the other building that used to be a bowling alley? Anybody? Yeah, right? Thank God for where you've come. Come on. Look at, look at the building you have. Look what God has done. Amazing. Amazing. You got to remember where God has taken us from to really appreciate the journey. In fact, that's what I want to speak to you about. The voice doesn't get any better. It sounds like this all the time. So it's not the microphone or the sound text. It's just me. Um, I want to speak to you about remembering. The Bible mentions dozens of times that we should remember. The most famous is when Jesus said, remember me this way. But the scriptures talk about remembering. And uh, in fact, Peter, he wrote two letters to the church. His second letter, 
He says in the second letter that what I'm writing to you, you already, in both letters, what I'm writing to you, you already know, but I want to remind you. I want to, he felt it was more important that they remember what they already knew than trying to teach them something new. We learn new things, but we need to remember. In fact, the Apostle Paul, when he positioned Timothy to oversee the work at Ephesus, which he started, he told them, uh, he told the, in the letter to Second Timothy, uh, the second chapter, keep on reminding them. Keep on reminding them. Obviously, the Apostle Paul knew it was important for them to remember the fundamentals, the basics. Because if we don't remember, we forget, in fact, Less than 30 years later, Jesus had to give a, a, a message to John, the Apostle John, on the island of Patmos. And he had, write, he had to write to the church at Ephesus and said, you left your first love. So obviously they didn't remember. They didn't remember. And so I want to remind you of a timeless principle uh, that we could discipline ourselves in this new year. I'm so glad, Pastor Terry. I mean, talk about excellence. I mean, we're talking trimesters. We're talking thought out plans, the book of John. Oh, I read the book of John, right? But we got to remember what John wrote. And uh, I'm so, you see the level of excellence here. And uh, there are timeless principles that I know you've heard from this pulpit um, that just remain true, no matter what season we're in, whether it's 2020, whether it's 2021. And I'm hoping uh, that, we could either reestablish or reinforce or develop this new habit, this new culture, this new behavior, which I would liken to call it praise. In fact, I titled this sermon, Praise my pra- Praise Before My Breakthrough. Praise Before My Breakthrough. And uh, as you know, Jesus used stories, metaphors, allegories to help the people understand what he was saying. He talked to farmers about uh, agriculture, he talked to shepherds or people that had herds about sheep, he talked to fishermen about fish. He used terms like I'm the bread, I'm the door, I'm the light to try to convey truth. And so what I, what I thought about today is that as the praises go up, the blessings come down. It's similar to what happens when, when it rains. Uh, just earlier we had this great snow shower and I felt like God was just reaffirming what I'm supposed to be saying. But usually, uh, when you talk about rain, we say it poured down. For Christmas, we didn't have a white Christmas. We had a wet Christmas, at least in Queens. And people's houses got flooded. Leaks were, roofs were leaking. Floors were getting, cellars were getting filled with water. And I, I, I thought about that because we always say, man, it poured down. It came down. But rain doesn't really start in the sky. It starts on the earth. And I know you know this. It's the water cycle. You probably learned it in school. That the sun heats up the bodies of water, which creates this invisible vapor which rises to the top called evaporation. But as it gets closer or higher in the altitude, that vapor now becomes little droplets of water. The vapor cools itself and then they end up sticking together and form inside the clouds. And then when the droplets get too heavy, they come down. Uh, and, and, and so now we end up with rain. And the, the point that I'm trying to make is the rain didn't start in the sky. It actually started on the earth. What I want to convey to you is your blessings start here on earth. You lift up the praises to God. You call upon the name of the Lord and the favor of God, the peace of God, the comfort of God, the joy of God. Now, listen, uh, I didn't plan the songs that they were singing here. This, to me, this was so God, so God, because the songs are about praise. And I listen, I know just like everyone in this room and watching online, 2020 was unprecedented. It was a rough year. But I'm going to praise God in spite of how rough it was. I don't make light of what had happened. But I do know that God is still on the throne and he tells us to praise him. And so I want to make sure, yeah, okay, praise him. I, I want to 
Send up those praises that might be invisible, like the like the evaporation, but then God uh, brings a condensation to those praises and comes down the blessings of God. And I want to believe that for 2021. And I'm so glad you're going through a season of prayer and fasting. God's going to help you. And we're going to learn about the Bible. We're going to learn about the Gospel of John. And we're going to be men and women of God that praise. And so my point is when the praises go up, the blessings come down. I want to praise God before the breakthrough. Because praise, and I know you know this, it changes the atmosphere of things. That's why at the beginning of the service, we bring out these great artists and singers and musicians. And they they bring us into an atmosphere where there's praise and adoration for God. So whatever we're going through, as difficult as it might be, when we pass through those doors, something happens. We get transformed into a different state or a different atmosphere because our eyes are fixed on God and we're reminded where our help comes from. That's what praise does. It changes your heart. I don't, I don't really like to do any kind of counseling before service. Um, it's, it's just I just rather get my mind on what I'm about to speak and, and, and be sensitive to what might happen in the worship service. But sometimes things have to be brought to my attention. And sometimes they're troubling. I know that doesn't happen here, but it does happen in Saints Church. And they're troubling. But when I get into the atmosphere of worship and praise, I'm telling you, it washes me. It cleanses me. It gets me to refocus. And I know you know this. The Bible speaks much about prayer. But the Bible speaks more about praise than prayer. That's how important praise is to God. So I, I want to remind you of some scriptures. And you can take notes and write them down. The first one is the 100th Psalm, where the Bible helps us understand how do we approach God? How do we approach this awesome, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving God? It says in the 100th Psalm that we are to shout for joy to the Lord on the, of, of the earth. We're to sing praises. We're to enter his gates with thanksgiving. The gates are, are like what you have on your property. It sounds the perimeter of the building. And we're to come into the gates with a thankful heart. But then you come into his course, you're in the inner chamber with praise. The 100th Psalm tells us exactly how we're to approach God. Do we have a shopping list of things that we need God to help us? Yes, I get that. But the Bible says, here's how you do it. Bring me your shopping list. I want you to cast all your cares on me. But here's what I want you to do first. Give me thanks. Give me praise. Lift up my name. Honor me. And watch what I'll do for you on your behalf. Our praise, our shouts, our worship, our songs gives us access into the presence of God. The 22nd Psalm, the third verse says, he inhabits the praises of his people. He enthrones himself. He camps out. What, what, what once, once translates says he pitches his tent. He dwells in the praises of his God. That's what we felt a few moments ago. Do we have great singers? Yeah. But you could be a great singer and that's the presence of God. But when praises go up, God dwells in that. And the, the, when the things that we need to bring to God, the blessings, they come down, that wisdom that we need for the moment or that comfort that we need for the moment or that joy or that forgiveness. God showers them down, raise them down on us. A couple examples. Again, I know you know this, but in the book of Joshua, the first encounter they had in the new territory was the city of Jericho, which had these huge mammoth walls around the city. In fact, there were a double wall. There were two of them, which helps me understand sometimes things are twice as hard as they were in the past. 
And now they're facing this, this wall and they get instructions from God. And God says, I want you, Joshua, to tell the people to walk around the walls of this city once each day for seven days. But on the seventh day, I want you to walk around the seven times. And on that seventh time, the trumpeteers are going to blow the trumpets and the people are going to shout. Why did God say that? Because God wanted the people in Jericho and for us to know when we shout to the Lord, things happen. Things crumble. Things fall. Those opposite, those uh, obstacles that are in front of us as, as, Difficult as they may be, will crumble down because we're shouting that shout of victory before God. We shout the voice of triumph before God. And God does things that are amazing. The next time you're facing something that's insurmountable, I'm telling you, have a little praise service. Well, I can't sing very well. I can't either. But you can make a joyful noise and you just start singing to God or put in some worship service, worship music, and just glorify God. And sometimes you got to get louder than other times. Sometimes you got to get really loud. It's not that God's deaf. It's for you. It's for your faith to rise. Remember the story of old Bartimaeus, blind Bartimaeus? Matthew, Mark, and Luke record the story. Sitting on the roadside in Jericho. He hears a lot of commotion. And he asks somebody, what's going on? What's all this noise that I hear? I can't see, but I can hear. And someone says, oh, that's Jesus of Nazareth. He's passing by. Well, Bartimaeus stands up and says, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And the people around him said, shh, shh, shh. You're making too much noise. Get a hold of yourself. Be respectful. Calm down. But the Bible says he shouted even more. And his, his shout even more got Jesus' attention, which caused Jesus to give him back his sight. Praise does things. Praise awakens God for our situation like never before. And it causes God to meet us in a place that we need to be met. It's amazing what God could do. One time I heard someone say, there's two times you need to praise God. Before the victory and after the victory. Before the victory and after the victory. You need to make a, a joyful noise. You need to shout unto the Lord. And I realize here in New Jersey, in New York, um, we go through things. Some of us are suffering or struggling, even with our walk right now. And we're hoping that, you know, this is going to be a better year than last year. We're just not in the place where we'd like to be. Or, or, or your parents, and, and you, you have to juggle now being an educator at home, teaching your children, uh, or, or, and also uh, bringing in a paycheck. Or you're a single parent, and you really feel overwhelmed with the task. Or maybe you're just lonely. Or maybe you got the report that says you're, you tested positive. Maybe the finances have tanked. You lost your job. Um, not a good year. But I'm telling you, just begin to praise God. Don't praise God for the problem. Praise God that he's the problem solver. Don't praise God for the place that you're in. Praise God that he's the way maker. He changes things, no matter what the situation might be. Maybe the marriage has really taken on a lot of pressure because of what's happened. And, and it's lost its spark. You don't have the, the fire that once was there. Well, you can just accept it or you can begin to say, God, I thank you for my marriage. And I prophesy my home is going to be a godly home. For as me and my household, we will serve the Lord. You can speak that over your home. Why not? It's according to God's will. And believe in God to swoop down and rain down blessings and rain down favor and rain down the joy of the Lord in your home. Well, maybe your spouse is not where you'd like them to be. Maybe he or she is dead to the things of God. 
Well, you can begin to prophesy like Ezekiel 37, to raise up those dead bones and turn it into a mighty army. Or the child doesn't want to come to church and you've done everything. You've dedicated, you've prayed, but they have no interest. You can ask God, God, I want my son, I want my daughter to be a man or woman of God. That's God's will for them. And you can praise God for the situation or you can complain. Listen, there was a time we have three sons. They're all married. Thank God. Thank you, Jesus. And they're out of the house. But we have eight great grandchildren. And there was a time my sons were all, and we brought them to church. They were raised in our church. And they didn't want our God. They didn't want Maria's God or my God. And they did terrible things. They got involved with gangs and graffiti and selling drugs. And it was not a good season. And uh, we could have just said, well, that's the way they are, and or just accepted that. But God put an idea in my wife's head about she was going to pray and fast. That's Let me tell you, things have, some things only come out with prayer and fasting. Some things only come out with prayer and fasting. And she made a giant bullseye, and she put the names of our son on this bullseye. And she went, didn't literally throw darts, but she threw darts of prayer at them, and, and everything turned around. It didn't happen overnight, but it turned around. All three of them are ministers now. It's amazing what God will do when you praise God. We could have nagged them. We could have complained about them. We could have been angry with them. Well, we got angry with them at some of the things. But we could have said things that weren't beneficial. But rather than that, we praise God for the three sons that God has given us. See, life and death is in the power of the tongue. We decide what we're going to say. We decide what we're not going to say. But when you begin to praise God, he'll shower down hope. He'll shower down peace. He'll shower down exactly what you need. Praise is important. You need to praise God for your family. You need to praise God for, for, for your marriage and for your children. You need, to, you need to, it's a step of faith. Praise really causes us to walk in faith because like Hebrews 11 says, we're being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we don't see. You may not see the breakthrough right now, but when you praise God, you're declaring you have faith in God. You're declaring that God's going to move on your behalf. And it's amazing what God can do. And I would like to suggest this especially during this time of prayer and fasting. Before the iPhone, before the iPad, before the laptop, I'll even go to an extreme, before the cup of coffee. (laughs) Start to praise God. Just start to open up your mouth and just begin to praise him. Find a place in your home where, where it's secluded, where you could be by yourself if the others are sleeping. And just either get on your knees or stand or sit and lift your head towards heaven and lift your hands towards heaven and just begin to thank God for the day that he's given us. This is the day the Lord has made. I choose to rejoice. I choose. Not a good day, not a bad day. It's just the day. And I make a choice to praise God. The 108th Psalm says, awaken the dawn with praise. Awaken the dawn with praise. That's that morning praise that every one of us should begin to practice and develop. I want to believe for 2021, we are going to become those men and women of God that praise God first thing in the morning. First thing in the morning. Because God, listen, doesn't inhabit the complaints of his people or the murmuring of his people or the grumbling of his people. God inhabits the praises of his people. World of a difference. We need to praise God for the things he's about to do. How about for the 7,000 promises he's given us? Emmanuel, God with us, God for us, God in us. How about in Hebrews 13, that he's, he promises never to leave us, and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Those kind of promises. You can praise God just for those promises. Just at thanking God for the word that he's given us. Praising God for the home we live in. Well, pastor, you don't know the place I have. It's really not much to brag about. It's a home. 
I don't know what it is in New York, in New Jersey, but in New York, right now there are 60,000 people homeless. So maybe you got a little shack. Maybe you got this little cubby hole that you go home. It's a home. You had a roof over your head. You were able to sleep there last night. There are people that wish they had a home. There are people that wish they had a marriage. There are people that wish they had children. That's why we have to thank God for everything that we have. And again, my brothers and sisters, just not today, just not Sunday. Granted, we don't have the artists and the musicians and singers with us in a home. I get that. But you can still praise God. Remember, the Bible said make a joyful noise. I want us to have a Sunday praise. Absolutely. It's the first day of the week. But I want to have a Monday praise, a Tuesday praise, a Wednesday praise, a Thursday praise, a Friday praise, a Saturday praise, so that when we get back here on Sunday, we're all praised up. You won't have to have a worship leader say, come on, let's stand and praise the Lord. We'll already be standing and praising the God, the Lord because it's in our hearts. It's in our spirit. It's a lot more than just something we do in the beginning of a service. We realize the importance of it. And uh, I want to listen. We lost, as far as I know, 28 people in our church. 28 fatalities. Some funerals we couldn't do, some we had to do virtually, some we were allowed to do. And um, we just recently lost a deacon in our church who my wife and I, we loved dearly. He was, I mean, he was just gold. All deacons are, but then there are some that are like platinum, you know. <laughs> and he was platinum. He was so good. And he just passed away, and it was right before Christmas, right before his anniversary, and right after his birthday. And when I would call his widow every day and my wife would call, we had to comfort her. And we knew that he was with the Lord, but there's a sorrow, a weeping that has to happen. And we would just say, we're just praising God that you're standing strong and we have the promises to rely on. Easy? No, but doable. And it's the praise that causes you to lift up your chin. It's the praises that I know that are going to get her through. It, it, it's it's what we it, it it ends up being like our you know the season that we're in. Uh, and I'm so glad for the doctors and for the pharmacists and the and the scientists that have done such a great work with the with the vaccine. But listen, you know what our spiritual vaccine is? Praise. Our spiritual remedy for all that we're going through is praise. It always will be. And 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 let me let me remind you. Let me remind you. Prayer is asking God for the things that we need, but praise is thanking God for the things He's going to give us. We didn't even get them yet. It's having that confidence that God is going to turn things around. It's that, what Pastor Terry talked about earlier, it's that John 10, 10, that abundant life that, that God wants to give us. And when you praise God, you experience that abundant life. It changes things. You remember when all four Gospels record this account. There was 5,000 men, but plus there was women and children. And uh, Jesus was teaching all day, and he said to the disciples, we got to take care of these people. God not always worries about the physical, uh, the spiritual, but he worries about the physical. So we got to get them some food. And so the disciples, they're looking at each other. They say, you got any money? No, I ain't got any money. You got any money? I ain't got any money. There's no stopping shops or bodegas in the neighborhood, so how are we going to feed these people? And besides, it would take a year's salary. And um, Andrew said, well, there's this little kid over here, and he has five loaves and two fish. Andrew, five loaves, two fish, that doesn't even make a decent five sandwiches. That can't even feed the 12 of us. But that's what we have. Jesus said, bring it to me. Guys, whenever you lack, bring your lack to Jesus. Bring your lack to Jesus. Watch what he'll do when you don't have enough. He takes those five loaves, two fishes. You know the story. Pastors preached on this. He blesses, holds it up before God, and he gives thanks. He gives thanks for what was not enough. 
And then you know the rest of the story. God multiplies the, the loaves and fishes, all 5,000, plus most commentators believe 15,000 people got fed. And then I think Jesus has a sense of humor. He made sure there was 12 baskets of leftovers, so each disciple went home with a basket of food to their family. That's God. He can, he can do things when it seems like impossible. In fact, the Christmas story begins with nothing's impossible with God. But praise, when praise leaves your lips, blessings come down. Praise, when, when, when you begin to praise God for what's not enough, it removes that doubt, that, that poverty mentality that sometimes we can have. It removes unforgiveness and bitterness and resentment from our hearts. There's a story in the Bible in Second Chronicles, and the, the revivalist, we sang about revival. The revivalist in this particular story was a man named Jehoshaphat. He was a godly man. He was a good king. And he turned the, the nation around, got them seeking God. And you would think, well, that would just be great. The problem is whenever you make a decision, when you draw a line in the sand and you say, from this day on, I am going to serve God, you have to know the enemy is going to come against you. Well, I don't know how much you believe about the devil, but the devil's real. And he'll make sure he'll bring whatever opposition he can in your home so that you and your home won't serve the Lord. Well, Jehoshaphat turns everything around in, Jeru in, in Jerusalem. And all of a sudden, three, 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 three nations came against him. In fact, he gets worried, Second Chronicles 22, 20, verse 2. A vast army is coming against you. Sometimes your situation is vast, huge, large, big. And what are you going to do? Well, I think we should learn from Jehoshaphat because he goes to God's house with God's people. And it says in the 20th chapter, the 6th verse, he says... He begins with praise. He says, Lord, the God of our ancestors, Lord, the God of our ancestors, are you not the God who is in heaven? Which is a rhetorical question. Yes, he is. And you rule over all the kingdoms of the, of, of the nations, which included the three outside his gates. Power and might are in your hand, and no one can withstand you. He was declaring victory even before the victory happened. He was praising God for what God was going to do. He didn't have a clue what God was going to do. He just knew God. If he called upon God, if he praised on God, praised God, the blessings were going to come down. And in the midst of this vast challenge, this huge attack from the enemy, which helps us understand that there are times that are vast, all of a sudden, God gives him a word, Second Chronicles 2015. Do not be afraid. Do you know there are 365 do not be afraid in the Bible? One for each day of the week. I do not, do not be afraid or fear not. Do not be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, but God. The battle is not yours, but somebody needs to hear that. The battle is not yours, but God. But God. No matter how vast, no matter how huge, no matter how difficult that situation may seem. That mountain might seem impossible, insurmountable to you. But the battle is not yours. And then Second Chronicles twenty twenty one. I love this. Joseph Joseph had appointed men to sing to the Lord and to praise Him. What kind of what kind of military strategist is that? Three armies outside wanting to come and kill all the men, kill all the children, rape the women, and now you're going to sing them a lullaby? Really? That's the best you got, God? Put the men out there and get them to sing. Yeah, but there are archers out there and swordsmen and and chariots. Put the men out there to sing. And when you read the rest of the story, you find out in chapter 20 that before Joseph had got to that valley with his, with his singers, <laughs> with his singers, God caused those three nations to turn on one another. And they killed each other. And by the time Joseph had got there, 
all the resources, all the plunder, all the gold and silver, the food, the wine, everything that they brought to for this campaign was just left there. It took Jehoshaphat and his team three days to pick up the plunder. Three days. What what was seemingly a, a huge amount of destruction facing Jehoshaphat ended up to be a blessing. My brothers and sisters, please believe me. When you lift up praise to God, God rains down blessings. He rains down blessings. He rains down favor. He gives you what you didn't even think you were going to get. Christmas story is fresh in our minds, right? Mary, young girl, planning a wedding. I'm sure she talked over with her mom about the wedding list. She had a fiancé, Joseph, who had a job. That's a good thing, man. He had a job. Um, carpenter. She knows she was going to be taken care of. Whether about the food, where they're going to eat, where they're going to host this. Small little town, Nazareth. And the angel Gabriel shows up. Says you're going to become pregnant, but it's not a man. It's by God, by the Holy Spirit. To me, that sounds uh, blasphemous even today. Being that she just lived in the Old Testament. But she says to the angel Gabriel, let it be done unto me according to thy word. Godly woman. Godly woman. What's going to happen now? She has to start thinking, well, I have to tell Joseph. I've got to tell my parents. I've got to cancel the weddings. As I said earlier, a lot of weddings got canceled this year. My anniversaries. If the town finds out, they have the right to stone me for being pregnant and not married. So she decides to go see a cousin Elizabeth that lived in the hills of Judea, about maybe 70 uh, miles away from Nazareth. Which I said, oh, you know, like a side point. Every Mary, every young Mary in this room, you need to have Elizabeth watching online. You need to have Elizabeth that you go to when you don't know what to do. All the young men, all the Timothys in the room, you need to have an Apostle Paul to go to, an older man that you can share things with. Well, with Mary, it was her cousin Elizabeth. And I'm sure the, however it took two or three days to get to her cousin's house, she had to be thinking, what's going to happen? All my plans have been dashed to pieces. And what happens if the town does find out? And what's Joseph going to say? And then, of course, the devil, he always loves to keep suggesting negative things and feeding our mind and giving us the worst. He, he's, he's like the news every day, just giving you negative re reports, negative reports, negative reports. When she gets into Elizabeth's house in Luke 146, she says, oh, how my soul praises the Lord. My brothers and sisters, I want to be the kind of Christian that no matter what happens, I will say, oh, and my soul praises the Lord. Whatever happens, oh, that my soul praises the Lord. I wish that for all of us. I'm going to pray that for all of us, that no matter what we're facing, no matter what obstacles, what challenges, what disappointments, that we would say, oh, my soul praise, praises the Lord. You know, Jonah, so thank you. Jonah, Jonah, uh, his story sometimes, some of the skeptics, believers, don't really know if it's true or not. You know, a fish, a big whale, but you know what, Jonah, it, it tells us in, in 2 Kings 14 that he was a prophet. And Jesus refers to both the Matthew and Luke as a prototype of him spending three days in the grave and then resurrecting. So there's truth to this. In fact, I did a little research, and you can go on Google National Geographic and find out that the largest fish uh, or mammal is, is the whale shark. And it's a shame they use the word shark at the second part of his, of his um, species, because sharks are always, we really think, dangerous um, and, and, and uh, something you don't want to be with. But whale sharks are docile. 
if you look on National Geographic, you see these swimmers swimming alongside this whale that's four stories, 40 feet long. And they're just hanging on his fins. And they're just, not me, them. They're just hanging on it and just, and, and, and these fish prefer warmer temperature waters, which would be around the Middle East. So there's a lot of truth to the fact that there very well could have been a large fish to follow, swallow Jonah. And why I'm saying all this is because Jonah gets a word from God to go preach to the Assyrians in Nineveh. But he, he, hates, the, he hates the Assyrians. You know, God's will is that all people would be saved. But God so loved the world. The world may not love him, but he loves the world. God so loved the world. He doesn't love the choices the world makes, but he still so loves the world. But anyway, God tells him to go to Nineveh, preach the gospel, or what he knew of the message of salvation. And uh, he didn't want to do that. He didn't want nothing to do with the Assyrians. So he, he gets on a, uh, he goes down to Joppa, which is outside of Tel Aviv, and gets on a boat to take him to Tarshish, which most likely was Spain. So he's going in the opposite direction uh, from God. But you do realize you can run from God, but you can't hide. He knows exactly where we are. He knew Jonah was on the boat, so he sends this huge storm on the sea to get Jonah's attention. And the sailors on the ship knew this was an unseizable storm, and they know this is something supernatural. They start throwing the tackle over in the cargo, and the ship uh, doesn't get steady. The storm gets worse. So they begin to ask, whose God is angry at this, who's ever aboard the ship? And that's why we're getting this storm. And so Jonah confesses, I'm a Hebrew, and that's my God, and I disobeyed him. And the only way to cure this is throw me in the ocean. So these godless sailors said, no, we can't do that. We'll have murder on our hands. They keep throwing tackle off, tackle off. But the storm only gets worse. So then they call Jonah over and says, Jonah, we got to speak to you. And they tore him right over. They realized that was a bunch of died better than all of them. And they're assuming he's going to drown. But when you read, when you read the scriptures, you find out that God prepares this large fish to swallow Jonah whole. In fact, when you, when you, when you read the scriptures, it tells us that seaweed was wrapped around his head and, 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 and it was a dark place and a smelly place and it was a hopeless place and it was probably disoriented and it was just dreadful, 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 dreadful. And he's in this well or fish, whatever you want to call it, but no, no breakthrough. No, God didn't say, I'm going to put you there for a few days. I'm going to get you out. No, no, none of that. But it says in chapter two, verse nine, but I will offer a sacrifice to you with songs of praise. Think about that for a moment, guys. He's in a dark, smelly, wet place with no way out. This never happened before. This is unprecedented. And even though, obviously, in his mind, I'm a dead man, I'm going to offer praise to God. That's faith in action. I, I want to be that man of God. I want to be that Christian that no matter how dark, how smelly, how stinky the situation may be, that I'm going to offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, knowing that he already knows what I need. You know, Jesus said that your, fa your father in heaven already knows what you need. So when you start praising God before you even ask him, you're demonstrating you trust God. In fact, the rest of that verse, verse 9, because I have to say salvation comes from the Lord. He knew his breakthrough. If there was going to break through, if there was going to be a way out, if he was going to slide through this fish's intestines and come out somewhere else in the ocean, he knew it was going to be God that was going to do it. He had that kind of faith. That's why he began to praise God. And what's amazing is he praises God in this well, and the Bible says, that eventually, no matter how big the situation is, God causes the fish to spit him out, vomit him out on dry ground. Think about this. If this fish was that big to take him in, 
then it had to be in deep water. But God causes this fish to get beached and spit him out. That's amazing. But God will get you exactly where you need to be when you obey him, when you begin to praise him, when you begin to offer up praise. One last story real quick, real quick, real quick. Acts 16, Paul and Silas going to a place of prayer. They want to plant a church in Philippi, which is in Greece. God told them to go there. And they have success in the beginning. A woman named Lydia gets saved. She's a wealthy woman. She's a businesswoman. She opens up her, tr- her house to be the first church plant. People are getting baptized. And they go another day, they go on the way to prayer. They go on a, a, one day to pray. And uh, there's this girl following them that has a demon spirit. She prophesies. She tells the future. She was owned by some businessmen. It wasn't a right spirit. In fact, she says, she says in, in, in verse 17, Acts 16, these men are the servants of the most high God who are telling you the way to be saved. Those are the right words, but wrong spirit. And so after a while, Paul was annoyed with it and he rebukes the spirit out of her. And now she can't tell the future. So her, the owners of her were angry and bring Paul and Silas before the magistrate. Remember, they went to start a church. They went for a prayer meeting and all this is happening as a result of. And they, they lied to the magistrates, so the magistrates have Paul and Silas stripped down, severely beaten, placed in the inner prison with their feet in stocks. Very painful. My brothers and sisters, if there was ever a place to complain, this was a place to complain. God, what are you doing? This was your call. You sent me here. But they don't complain. In fact, in Acts 16, 25, it says, In the midnight hour, the darkness hour, they began to sing hymns of praise to God. Two saints began to sing hymns of praise to God. And you know the rest of the story? God sings, sends an earthquake that shakes the foundations of the prison. I'd like to suggest to you, if you need some shaking in your home, begin to praise God. If you need God to turn some things up, you need to begin to praise God. The Bible goes on to say, and God opened up all the doors of the prisoners. Were all the prisoners singing? No. But God opened up all the doors of the prisoners, and all the chains fell off. Were all the, were all the other guys worshiping? No. Two saints of God were singing. I I want you to know your praise when you even get together with someone else will affect other people and it's amazing what God will do as a result of your praise amen two saints just two there's more than two in this room so before the team comes back to sing this other song which to me was just so was just so perfect I want to pray over you because there are times you know you got to raise a hallelujah in the presence of your enemy you got to know he's the way maker no matter when there seems to be no way. You just need to know that God is for you and not against you. So, Father, I pray for the brothers and sisters here in this church. I pray that you bless them for even coming out today and watching online. And, God, I'm asking that you help each and every one of us that this year would be a, a new dimension, a new phase in our life, that, yes, we'll pray, yes, we'll fast, yes, we'll study the Scriptures, but, Lord, we'll also be those that praise you no matter what, no matter what. We'll be the ones that say, oh, that my soul praise the Lord. That we will declare the victory regardless of whether we see it or not. Because we know, Lord, our breakthrough is a result of our praise. For when the praises go up, the breakthrough comes. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.